Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. What a weekend of motorsport. There was so much going on. Formula One, uh, BTCC, Le Mans, of course, came back after after lockdown. Uh, NASCAR, brilliant IndyCar. Uh, plenty and plenty to talk about. We are going to kick off, of course, with Formula One. I guess the question is, Tiff Nadell, are the new rules working for Formula One? Oh, well, this is what you know. I would say last week, you know, we sort of, you know, because Sky and everybody hype it up. Oh, it is better this year. Everybody seems to see that it's this hype, hype, hype that, you know. And I questioned it on Twitter last week. Well, you know, are, are they really any better? Apart from the fact they follow a little bit closer. Um, but you look at the race. I mean, obviously, Ferrari's downfall is, is the big story, you know, and it's so awful for you. You feel sorry for Leclerc, you know, who's, who's qualifying laps. His speed, he gets this one extra lap. He did it at Monaco and he did it again. Um, at Azerbaijan to get an amazing pole position. But then, you know, we were robbed of a, of a race. First of all, their strategy changed very early, didn't it? It was a full course. There was a, not a full course, they had a, a virtual safety. Car. So Charles went into the pit. So we, we never found out really how the head-to-head would have worked before the engine had gone. And Sites was out and the race had pretty much gone. That was it. Um, but the, the rules, you know, it's just, we're, we've got Ferrari and Red Bull. They've managed to make their cars work. So we have got an amazing season ahead of us if Ferrari don't keep on making mistakes or having um, edge in front of us. a great Red Bull again, you know, Max Verstappen. Huge ups for Sergio Perez because I have to admit, although I was a huge fan of his, he really impressed me in a Formula 2 race, GP2, and Silverstone Grand Prix circuit. Gosh, I don't know when it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I had him on my radar as a real talent. But then what did he go to McLaren? But where did he go where he didn't do that well? And then I thought with the Pink Panthers that Ocon was better than Perez. And I was really sort of beginning to write Perez off myself. But he's, I have to admit, you know, eat my hat. Uh, he's really come on strong in the qualifying I think, lap. I think he certainly found some confidence, but Max has definitely got the edge well, on him. Whatever you say, whatever yeah, you say still, about the team I still, but, really... but only an edge. I mean, this is the yeah. thing Red Bull needed. They finally got a number two that's close enough to Max and occasionally even quicker than Max. To, to you know, give him this this double double attack on the single Ferrari because science is still even though he's had you know mechanical problems, he had a terrible qualifying lap. Um, so you know, it could be a good season if Ferrari can get some reliability, but they're not following close enough. Um, we've got the poor old Mercedes. I mean, everyone's having a laugh at Lewis, you know, because you know you Brits, you fanboy, you Brit fanboys, you're getting the own back now that you know Lewis hasn't got a good car. And I understand George being quicker than Lewis. That car looks the most awful, horrible thing. And if I was a seven times stroke, eight times world champion, um, you know, would I want to really bust my, literally break his neck? Yeah, but uh, you say that. Uh, you know I'm a massive Lewis fan, but yeah. oh, it's the amount of times he mentioned his back. Even when he was being interviewed, <laughs> he was holding his back like that. It's like, oh, really? It does look correct. Well, George has said the same. I mean, it's, it's, it's odd that it's only Mercedes that seems to have got this really bad um, uh, porpoising. Um, but even so, these, these are the cars for the next three or four years. You know, that's what George is saying. Well, you know, but I suppose they're just saying, well, you've got to sort Mercedes out. You know, everybody else is surviving. Even the other drivers, you see the Ferraris and the Red Bulls, they're all bouncing up and down. It can't be good for them. If you want still- the most entertaining motorsport to watch, 
check out a catering race. It's live on YouTube now. It is genuinely. It's it's all right. yeah, yeah. No, yes, all right. Yeah, all right. It is exciting. It is, it is live on YouTube. No, it is. It's correct. But I mean, as a Grand Prix, you know, the slightly different level, I appreciate catering racing. Because uh, we'll talk about IndyCar racing, which is as good as catering racing later on. Um, but it's the fact that teams can't be consistent with these cars. Because McLaren had another weird weekend, you know. And we, we've got the story of Ricardo fighting for his job. And so he put in a reasonable effort, you know, they qualified. They qualified 11th and 12th, didn't they? And Ricardo then managed to get ahead of, of Lando. They finished 7th and 8th or something. There's a little bit of a spat um, there because Lando was saying, oh, I'm faster than him. Oh, you should I know, the usual, the usual. We let, but we it's let him fast earlier, Lando. Yeah. And then he said, uh, yeah, but that was that was for strategy, not for position yeah. and, and uh, for for the final place, but I but, think but the Ricardo, other teams, you know, the other teams can't seem to get consistency. You know, McLaren were podiums and now they're 10th and 11th. Alpha Tories were bad, and then last weekend they had a good weekend, you know, because Gasly was up there in what seventh or something. And um, uh, no, um, Yuki's <laughs> his mate Yuki was eighth on the grid, so they had a good and Yet the Alphas that were going really quick, they were down the bottom. And it seems like we can't get much consistency out the midfield from circuit to circuit. Um, they can't follow close enough. All the overtaking was DRS. Um, so that idea that they can really go nose to tail, watch IndyCar later, that's nose to tail racing <laughs> through the highest speed corners. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm a huge fan, you know, of, of the designers and everybody else that come up with these rules and regulations. You know, Broad, Ross Broad, I mean, such a talent. And yet, I don't think he's working. You don't seem to be allowed to say that. I mean, oh, Tiff, you know, there's been much better racing... I remind you're such a Brazil. dinosaur tip how dare oh, you how dare yeah, you come old man crazy. yelling at the clouds you know but um, you remember brazil that race when lewis tracked down max we had the most amazing head-to-head -head race so i mean they're all saying well when was the last race that was good as this year's yeah, well, but what they'll say brazil, what they'll say, brazil last year exactly but they'll say if that happened now they'll say see that only happened because they can do wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing now they could follow much closer it's all a it's a spin <laughs> i'm telling you it's all a spin to make people like us think oh yeah but the racing's better now but it's worrying this is the rules we've got for you know three or four years so you know i mean i think some of the teams will say he's obviously led it said that they must change the rules to stop the porpoising but there is a way of some rule that might limit ride height and so they can't go so low to go quick um, but obviously you know red bull and ferrari that seem to have got the sums right would, would protest against it but i think they have to do something i don't think it's not working they're not because i mean the idea of the dream was to get rid of drs and we're so far away from seeing the back of the arrest that, you know, it's years. Well, it's the only time ever. you get overtakes, especially around yeah, a, yeah. a narrow circuit. It's the only time you've ever seen an overtake. Still great to see Grand Prix cars round that circuit. I still love that track. It was an amazing track for, for, to drive around, but too many slow 93 corners where they look so ponderous and heavy. So, um, you know what I'd like anyway. to see? Because it is a good track. It is a fast track. And I'd love to see one year, maybe they'll do it. Uh, IndyCar can go outside of the USA and go the week after, go to Azerbaijan. Yeah, but they'll, be, they'll be about 10 seconds a lap slower and all the F1 bombs and stuff. That's yeah. fun. It's like, no, look how slow they are. That's the problem. <laughs> you can't win. I, mean, look, I think that'd be well, quite good. Well, Formula One racing was ruined, or well, not ruined, went the wrong direction. Was it about six years ago when we must be five seconds? They had that regulations. We must make our cars five seconds faster because that's what we all want. We just want the fastest cars. But the fastest cars aren't the raciest cars, aren't the most entertaining cars. They're just awesome bits of scientific kit. There's still lots of viewers here, out there now on Twitter who say, you know, it must be the pinnacle of science. Even, even if it's the dullest racing, really, you know. 
Hopefully, yes. hopefully Ferrari will sort out reliability and we will have an amazing uh, rest of the season. So let's so fingers crossed. Big. These cars are so big now. It's no wonder there's no wheel-to-wheel racing. When you go around the you know, 90 degree corner, you can't sort of dive down the inside because you're going to take off your, your wing. <laughs> you just can't do it. Um, I'll tell you what was good. Sebastian Vettel was good. It looked like Sebastian Vettel of old. He had he yeah. outbraked himself in one corner and lovely little pirouette to get back on track. But um I thought he... uh, and Fernando, the old, the old, the old champions <laughs> seemed to have a good weekend. They were, they, they were qualified ninth and tenth, didn't they? Moved up the order as uh, the Alpine. So Ocon's getting a bit blown away. You know, so talking about, I thought he was better than Perez on the old when they were Pink Panther teammates. But I think Ocon's having a very good time. He may be on the out list. And something you to... and something you don't see very often. You mentioned Yuki uh, Sonona. Uh, he had a bit of bad luck actually, but. <laughs> He actually got black and orange flag. The first time I've seen that in Formula One. We get it in club racing, of course, yeah. but uh, he got a black and orange flag. That's because there's always, always wings hanging off in catrums when you knock them. So you... <laughs> exactly. Anyway, it wasn't the best Grand Prix. I mean, I know, um, you know everyone was saying, oh, it's going to be exciting. They always love building it up, don't they? It's a brilliant Grand Prix ahead. Well, it's a brilliant circuit. It, it, it wasn't. Brilliant. It wasn't a brilliant Grand Prix. No, there wasn't. we go. So and then Max, talking about regulations. Wait, wait, wait. Max, 34 points in front. Yep. Is is that too much? I don't think so. No, no, no. It's only one you know, another failure from Red Bull or something, or you know, Carlos Sainz torpedoing him at the first corner. Or I, 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 and they keep asking on Sky Sports. It's a no-brainer for me. Would you prefer a fast car that's unreliable or a slower car that's reliable? Fast car every day of the week. No, slow car. No. What? So you prefer to be Lewis Hamilton now in the Mercedes instead of Mac, uh, Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari? Well, if they all break down, you know. No, I, 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 you, want the, you want no, I know you want the fast car. Yeah, I was exactly. being, I was just saying the opposite to you because I felt <laughs> like it. <laughs> and you would say like regulations. Well, yeah, moving on. We we'll come to them all later. Le Mans was the probably the biggest event of the weekend. We should be talking about it, but um, BTCC talk about rules. Um, so again, they've gone through the regulation change. They got their hybrid, and they got this push to pass. But it's not a push to pass. It's a bit of extra. And the trouble is. The touring car race, they're becoming very processional. We've lost the overtaking because we've lost the, the huge weight penalty. I mean, I've always said, you know, BTC, it's a bit of a contrived regulations to make it exciting, which is why at the end of the year, there's always about 10 drivers still mathematically with a chance of winning a championship. Because the weight penalty, you could have the guy winning the leading championship would qualify about 15th. But this hybrid, it's not giving enough. Uh, apparently, on a, a lap on your own, it gives about 0.3 or 0.4 of a second. So the championship leader is no longer turning up with a huge handicap carrying these 75 kilos of his car. Um, so then so it's becoming a more meritocracy championship, which I like in a purist manner. That's not what touring cars are all about. BTC was always about bashing and crashing and pushing and shoving. Um, and I think this new um, added push would not push the bus, this extra kinetic energy, that extra energy power you can use. And it's so complicated. Even I don't understand. I've tried to... In qualifying, the championship leader has none at all. And then down to the 11th fastest in different steps, can have 15 seconds of in a qualifying session. But, you know, the full release is only worth about 0.3 a lap. So it doesn't, you're not moving up and down much. Then the race, it depends on where you are in the championship, who won the race, how many laps you have it and don't have it for. Then there's a green light in the rear window, which you can't see on telly. I keep on looking, you know, but you've got a whole stream of cars coming through. You know, the commentators know because there's a little um, electric mark by the number. And they're all saying, oh, he's got his, he's going out in the pad, in the pad. But nobody was overtaking anybody. There's no actual visual difference of this small amount of power increase does. Um, 
And so it was quite processional. So a, it's, I'd forget about telling the public at all about how much, how much extra power they've got. Um, so, you know, the, the first two races, the first and second were the same people. Tom Ingram won both from pole and Ash Sutton had, a sec had the two seconds. Well, Ash did come up from fifth to second and Ash is one person that does overtake, however equal the cars and Ash will continue to overtake in the most outrageous places. Um, but I just don't think the rules are making it, I think they're making it less exciting, that's the point. They're making BTCC less dramatic because we're getting more processional races um, and how much they talk about this one. Oh, the green light's on in the window, the green light's on in the window. You expect them to go roaring past on the straight, they don't. I was in um, <laughs> Switzerland last week driving the Genesis GV60, the new electric car, and it's got a boost yeah. button. It was brilliant. It reminded me of what they must be doing. But but you got proper, proper uh, power. You got like another 100 yeah. power for 10 seconds. Yeah. If it was like that, it would work because you literally go back in your seat and get pushed back in your yeah. seat. Yeah, but it needs, to be, it needs to be a decent amount. And I think it's not enough at the moment. Whether they can change that in the future, you know, who knows? Uh, but also, you see, you have the first two races that are quite processional, and then they all wait for the banger race at the end of the first green race. Well, they all go mental at the end of the day. But, I mean, again, driving standards are coming up, because is, is this getting turned around the car in front of you when you move over the car's already there? It's the classic touring car crash, because, you know, you're always trying to block at the last minute. Um, and I was amazed. In fact, I'm glad he got done, to be honest. Um, don't be too upset with Gordon Shedden, but um, he just got on the tail of Adam Morgan's BMW the first race. I mean, yeah, just sure. it was the corner of his nose bumper, the corner of his, and he just kept pushing. Yeah. And, you know, and he just turned Morgan at 120 miles an hour off into the barriers. Now, Shedden, after the race, he was, all, he was almost cocky. He said, I. The rule used to be you had to be half a car length alongside before, you know, you gave way. Now the rule is any overlap no is your right to... And so looking back at the accident, and in fact, in the end, it wasn't on a straight because they were still finishing the corner when he started tapping his bumper. But of course, because he was so obsessed with being right, I know the rules, I'm in the right, he just kept on full throttle and turned Morgan. He knew he'd turn Morgan to the barriers. He knew it would cause a crash. Yeah, again, because the sort of safety and the amount of accidents we have nowadays, there's no sort of no real implied. And so I couldn't bring myself. He, he, to, I he couldn't bring myself to do it. Penalty in the end. He only, I know exactly. He should have just lifted off. You know, yeah. you can't just because you think you're in the. It's your right of way. Yeah. To continue to sort of push him until he's off. I'm sorry, Gordon. I mean, I respect Gordon's a brilliant driver. On this occasion, Gordon, um, you know. I don't think you could have, you, you should be quite so smug about knowing the exact regulation and staying on the throttle. I mean, of course, in the, in the big, um, the big bad awful shunt, horrendous shunt in the, in the, in the reverse grid race, when again, it was the same problem. Um, I think it was Dan Lloyd, wasn't it? It was half a car ahead of Ricky Collard. Now, I don't, I haven't seen all the onboard cameras, so I can't comment officially. I don't know whether uh, Dan was getting pushed over towards Collard by someone else, because you know, there's a pack of, you know, cars, three abreast going over Deer's Leap and down the hill. Uh, whether he was pushed towards, anyway, he turned around the front of Collins, got hit the barrier, bounced back into the road, and then Colin Turkington with nowhere to go, this horrendous head-on shunt. I mean, it was a big impact. So I'm glad they all got away. I think Dan was going to have a, a bit of a checkup in hospitals. So I don't know. I'm safety safety touch um, now in, in, in racing cars is so good, isn't yeah. it? Which, uh, but I don't know quite how you how you do this overlap regulation because the is, if you've got cars all around you, you know, and you're defending, you're all moving, aren't you? And, you can't tell if someone is overlapping by three inches or whatever you know, Shedden was to Morgan. You don't really know that when you're trying to move over of or defend. You know. and so it's, you know, 
but, but going, going back to the Caterham, uh, so if you if you check out the video, but uh, in the second race, I'm going to overtake off the start, and the guy in front pulls over because he's too busy looking at the guy next to yeah, him. Yeah, someone else. So you always this you you can't be looking everywhere, especially the little Caterham mirrors. But so yeah, racing these things happen. It's uh, but it's yeah, but I think we have to move less. I mean, the point is they didn't happen. Yeah. You know, if I go back to my Ford Ford days. Yeah, we, we our grids were three at the front, then followed by two, then three followed by two, yeah. and we had we had some horrendous first quarter shunts because we were all so close. But you know, you didn't move around so much because you already had cars alongside you. Whereas nowadays, with nobody on the same row as you in a in a touring car, you don't actually have anyone beside you at all, do you? When you launch up, people are quite happy to move across. Yeah, as soon as they move, yeah. Yeah, pole man. it's like whoa. So they, they give pole man what's supposed to be the best side of the road is the outside modern Formula One. Yeah, as soon as they leave the grid, they just move across the inside <laughs> to block. Um, it, it, it's a problem moving around on the track way more than we did, you know, when it was when motor racing was dangerous some, in the past. Some of the defending now in all sorts of motor racing now just really puts, ooh, it gives me shivers. Fabrizio Giovannazzi, how do you pronounce his last name? Giovannazzi. Thank you. I've got his race suit, Paul O'Neill. I... Um, I've got a race suit coming to me from Paul O'Neill uh, from Geo this weekend. So, I'm, will it fit me or not? Because I'm gonna... yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's about your size, I think. He's, he's no really idea. muscular, really buff, and like yeah, slim. yeah, big, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, why are you wearing his suit? Then? Is because this... Paul O'Neill's doing this brilliant charity bike ride. Uh, oh, okay, and and uh, I bid on it, and I can't believe <laughs> I'm a. It's supposed to be a collector's item because it's signed and everything like that. But I bought it because I thought, oh, great, I could do some track days practicing that because it's only 150 quid. <laughs> it should have been so much more. It should have been a couple of grand. But um, uh, good for Paul and thank you, Gio, for uh, a bargain. Um, anyway, right. anyway, good, good racing, good racing at touring cars. But I'm worried that, that the, the regulations, it's not as good as it used to be because of the new regulations. And is your mate Plato going to get his... Uh, no, no, he's going backwards. His team had a very good weekend. Well, Cook's leading the championship. His teammates really leading the championship. Having won. I mean, he did lose a bit of, of um, time in qualifying because he's leading the championship. So he only qualified about 10th, I think, Cook. But um, it's, it's, it's still going to be good. I'd like to see Ingram win a championship because he's, he's been threatening to for a long time. He seems to be getting the pace and oh, consistency. I'm an Ash Sutton fanboy. I, I like yeah, him. He's won two. I know. Ash should be off a of Le Mans. He should be doing something else now. He's uh, not the more not... where we should have been. We should have been at Le Mans. Everybody should be at Le Mans. Le Mans. Yeah, but you say again... that, Tiff. You say that, but it wasn't the most exciting Le Mans ever. No. I know it's really hard. I mean, I mean, it was a dull Le Mans, um, yeah. which sadly happened sometimes, especially there was only five cars in the top class. I mean, it was never going to be the best ever. Um, and as soon as the, you know, the Alpine had trouble straight away, almost, they were out of it. And then there's the two Glickenhouses, which I, mean, I love the Glickenhouses, eh? Because it's this, you know, privateer, you know, spending these millions. And it's the most attractive looking car. It looks much nicer than those sort of blunt nosed Toyotas. Um, but they soon had small problems as well. Uh, and so uh, it was down to a Toyota. Well, they were racing. I mean, it is, you know, people say, well, those two Toyotas, they're all racing for the best Toyota. But it's, it's still, you sort of feel, yeah, I know they're racing, but you want another manufacturer in there. So, um, but, you know, the, the thing about rules in Le Mans, they are coming good, we all hope, because this was hopefully the last fairly dull Le Mans, because, you know, with, coming up, I'm not sure who's next year or the year after, but joining Toyota, Glickenhaus and Alpine, we've got Ferrari, Porsche, Lamborghini, Cadillac, Peugeot, Acura and BMW. I mean, the future of sports car racing looks absolutely wonderful. It does, um, isn't it? There's the big balance of power 
problem where there's the American regulations and the, and the Le Mans regulations having to try and balance them together. Uh, and even this year, you know, Glickenhaus has been on pole, Alpine are on pole, and Toyota, as they keep on changing how much uh, power they're all allowed. If I read a regulation about um, how they were changing the GT, LM GT for the weekend, and they're sort of reducing fuel capacity by two litres and increasing torque at different rev ranges by, you know, amazing how detailed the tiny incremental changes they can make to these cars because uh, with, with, they can get inside their electronic brains. Um, but it was it was a nice sunny weekend at Le Mans. I'm sure the Brits out there had a great weekend seeing who can build the biggest piles of uh, empty beer bottles in the campsites. <laughs> and the, uh, so it was still Le Mans. It was still a fabulous spectacle. Um, the biggest controversy, of course, was um, when poor Alexander Sims got taken out in his, his Corvette. Corvette. Uh, they Why had a minute's lead, lead and the yeah. GT Pros is such a big prize. Really. That is a formula. It's, it's dwindled slightly, sadly, as less manufacturers become involved. But at least you can recognise the difference in a Ferrari and a Corvette and, a, and um, with the Porsches. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was a horrendous shunt and it looked like such an awful error. For those of you that didn't um, see it, who's uh, going uh, again, like we just said about moving, moving on the, yeah, the street, yeah, yeah. But the point is, the, the amateur that moves is Francois Perodo. Now he's he's been racing for ten years at Le Mans. He's been doing the whole series in the LMP2, which he was driving. In fact, he won the GT Am Le Mans last year. Won the class, so he's no you know green rookie. And I didn't hear as if he tried to explain what happened, but I do know, and I don't know now, so I'll ask a modern Le Mans driver if anyone's listening out there. Because the old days, because that's a main public road, it's a crested road. And in the old high ground effect, the high downforce 200 mile Group C sports cars, when you tried to change lanes, you'd sort of edge up to the top. And when you went over the little crest, the car would suddenly move woof, into the other side. And some cars, before they got them sorted out early on after the first test day, the drivers were always saying, well, I can't, I can't change lane because I was going to go over the top. And there is a possibility, because he was in the middle, and when he sort of moved slightly left away from the other LMP2 cars alongside, the car may have just suddenly gone more than he expected, which is what he clouted poor old Sims was on his left. So it could have been. But whether the road is, is still like that, or whether it's now a beautifully fat, flat tarmac race course, I don't actually know. Do you know... God, I was just going to say, yeah. Tiff, that you used to, since I started racing, which is, uh, I'm a novice, but um, you realise how much goes into this. So just me in my little Caterham, and uh, you know, I've got the Caterham team as well as a media driver, you have a crash, an accident, you, you get a DNF, and you feel gutted, absolutely gutted. But on that level, on that scale, where you've been planning and putting everything into it for so long, forget the money side of it, but just all those people, the team, the development, it's just heartbreaking, really, awful. Yeah. You don't realise. No. I used to, when you see someone maybe you don't like in Formula 1, they have a little crash on the first lap and you have a little chuckle. But now I think, wow, I feel it's not just them, it's everybody. Involved. Yeah, you're affecting. Yeah. Well, in fact, Alexander Sims is very good. I mean, he's, he's a he wonderful English pit, gentleman. Yeah. But, you know, he, no, no, Perona went to the, to oh, the bit. But Alexander's the driver. He sort of said, well, no, I know it's, it's horrendous, <laughs> but I've taken other people out in my career and ruined their races, you know, and so it, it just happens. And I think they had to accept it. And Francois did go straight to the pit and just, I think he would have been distraught because, you know, he's a very, very good amateur that's been racing for many years. Well, speaking there was one, of... One Twitter said, you know, these blooming amateurs shouldn't be allowed at Le Mans. <laughs> I you know? saw that. If it wasn't for am amateurs, are the, are the whole groundswell of Le Mans. I mean, 
if you didn't have amateurs financing, you know, my first four Le Mans were all sponsored by an amateur. You know, Pink Floyd's manager was one of my co-drivers, you know, he paid for the whole gig. Um, there'd be about 15 cars at Le Mans instead of 55 or 60. So amateurs are, are, are part of the whole fabric of the Le Mans 24 and the Daytona 24 hour race because um, they pay for the cars. So uh, one final thing on, on Le Mans, unless you've got anything else. But well, Ryan congratulations, Cullen, yeah. Ryan Cullen, um, Vector Sport. Oh, boy, Ryan. Didn't have the best of races, mm. but uh, but good to see him there. And, uh, you know, he's he's a talented lad, as other teams, so hopefully... Yeah, no, but I would say Toyota was a walk, but, you know, big congratulations, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley and Rio Hirakawa, who had his first Le Mans win. The others already had a few, so good for the number eight Toyota. Commiserations to Mike Conway again. <laughs> uh, luckily, he didn't win it last year, but poor old Mike, he's been on the wrong side of the Toyota's food for so long with What's uh, your Jose highest Maria finish? Lopez. This was it third place? Third, 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 third on the podium, 1990. And Kamui Kobayashi. Um, but Conway wasn't the only British on the podium. Congrats, Richard Westbrook was part of the third place Glickenhouse team. So Rich was up there. Will Stevens was part of the LMP2 winning team for Jota. So good for Will Stevens. Um, James Collider came second in GT Pro in the Ferrari. David Pitton was third in GT Am. And British Aston Martin. It was a British team, um, TF Sport. Give them a big credit. They won the GT Am with Aston Martin. So that was nice to see. Always some British success at the mall. You like to see that. And looking forward, looking forward to Le Mans getting a lot bigger, a lot more exciting. Give us an invite next year, guys. Some, some, there must be yeah, someone. We'll go over. To, well, they probably want you. Um, right. <laughs> so from a relatively dull uh, Le Mans to an uh, absolutely brilliant IndyCar. Uh, you stayed up quite late watching this, and you? I just watched highlights. But... <laughs> well, and I watched NASCAR after I watched the IndyCar, so I was up very late. I know. I mean... I know there are people that don't like it because they're all the same car. There's two types of engine. There's Pondas and there's Chevrolets. Um, but it's just proper motor racing. You know, and the, the Formula One diehards will just poo-poo it, you know, or just ex-Grand Prix drivers, a lot of useless drivers go round and round. And I think one, one Twitter thing, you know, they, they just drive spec cars. And one of the Twitter people wrote back saying, you know, in, in the qualifying, you know, you're changing the jacking the car from left to right. They're changing settings, you know, it's not... It's not just a dumb formula, it seems like to make it out to be. You know, the 27 cars, the greatest track, Road America, the best looking, uh, best to drive. I've never raced on it, but I've, I've spoken to people who have. Um, you know, it's about four miles long, every type of corner. You've got a white line, you've got a bit of grass. Turn one, you've got some runoff curb that everybody uses and just they all use it. That's fun. Um, but, you know, 27 cars, two women in the race as well. Um, Simona Di Silvestre finished 21st. Uh, she hasn't raced in IndyCar for several years. So, well, last year she did Indy on its own. Uh, so it was great to see her coming back and doing well. But, you know, there's all sorts of stories. A NASCAR veteran, Jimmy Johnson, they did go off at the first court in the first lap. Um, good, that story. But, you know, it's it's full of American young guns trying to prove themselves as the ex-Formula One drivers, like, you know, Roman Grosjean was fourth, Marcus Ericsson, fresh from winning Indy, came second. Um, but the winners, the young, very all-American, Joseph Newgarten, Alexander Rossi third. And then we've got a couple of Brits out there, Brits that maybe should have been in Formula One, but you know, there aren't enough spaces. Um, they didn't do so. Callum Eilock was 11th and Jack Harvey 13th. Um, but again, we talk about all these rules for overtaking. And we haven't stuck in, in, in Formula One, people aren't aware as much. The commentators do mention it. You have to spend, you know, you do a lap charging your battery up, don't you, in F1. You know, they're saying George Russell, when he was defending, that he can push the battery extra power to defend. So in a way, they've got a push to pass in Formula One, which we don't talk about much, but it's, it's, it's not instantly available. You've got to do a previous lap charging up. 
Um, but IndyCar have got this push to pass. The different races, it's different number of seconds. I don't know how many it is at all. You've got 100 seconds, I don't know. And that's, but that you can use that to defend or attack. So it's just a driver aid that you, is part of your strategy. And quite towards the end, they would, you know, the commentators would talk a lot about who's got a push to pass left, you know. And it's a proper push to pass, you know. You get a decent run. It's like a, it's like a DRS scale of, of advantage. Um, and so they've got that. But, you know, the, the, the onboards of the cars, I mean, watch Herter chasing Ericsson down towards the end. And we stayed on board for about two laps, you know. And it was a flash of opposite lock through the flat out the kink <laughs> at about 140 miles an hour. Uh, and then, they, you know, Ericsson just dropped a wheel over the wire line onto a thing called grass, you know, and had to back out of it and got overtaken. You know, in, in modern European tracks, you know, if you go wide, you, you stay on the throttle, you don't get overtaken. You just might, might, you might get a track limit. You've got instant punishment. You get a wheel on the dirt, oh, but I've got to back out of it and then you're back on again. Um, or was it Grosjean that went off at the kink as well, flat out, going against the wall? I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's just excitement all the time. You know, there were quite a few offs early on, too much. They had that full course yellows. How, many, how many cars on the grid, Tiff? 27. 27. You know, it's, it's Why the odd number? It's just whoever wants to enter can come in. I, I don't know what maximum they have, um, but, you know, it's whoever wants to build their own team and come out, you can be a race, you can win races if you get your team right. And what's, so, what, um, which engine is uh, more successful, Honda or Chevrolet? What are the top? I think they're pretty 50 50. I've no idea who was in what. I never concentrated, actually. They, even the commentators don't tend to say too often. I think it was a Chevy that won. I think Rossi was, I think the second was a Honda. No, I don't know. I don't know. And what does a pit, to- pit stop take? How long? Pit stops. You haven't talked about pit stops. <laughs> but how exciting are they to watch? You get four wheel men with a gun each and a wheel each. <laughs> And I mean, they're probably, I don't know, they might be 12 seconds or eight seconds or 15 seconds, I don't know, because they're refueling at the same time because yeah. they've got small fuel tanks, which makes yeah. it a lighter car. Um, but you see these four guys run out with their wheel guns onto their <laughs> knees, you know, brr, brr, doing the wheel change on their own, you know. So you, you actually can appreciate each mechanic. When one mechanic makes a mistake, you lose two or three seconds, you know. But in Formula One, you can't tell who's doing what, can you? In that two it's, seconds, they weren't very good this weekend. Actually, there's lots of pit stops, sort of four or five seconds in Formula One. But I love Le Mans. Oh. When I went with uh, Chevrolet a few years ago, and and you're looking down, or you go in the pits with them, but uh, because they, they were the host. But um, and a, there's so much going on. But everybody has a job. You have fuel yeah. and driver yeah. change. So exciting. But yeah. yeah, you can see what's going on with IndyCar on pit stops. Yeah. So I'm um, Formula One. You can have your appliance of science and your porpoising <laughs> beasts, behemoths, behemoths. That's a good word, behemoths. Um, but at the moment, IndyCar is is the place to watch. If you want single seater entertaining racing, not the highest level of science. No. Bring it to Azerbaijan next year for an invitational the week before, <laughs> the week after. Would it be amazing? Bring it to Europe, or is that Europe? But it'd be similar to Formula Two, I suppose. In Formula Two, we get great racing. So yeah, that's true. You know, but it, it tends to get overshadowed because the Formula Two race is about seven o'clock in the morning. You know, nobody's <laughs> watching. <laughs> um, so NASCAR was a oh, I don't get. No, NASCAR. you see, I'm happy to say NASCAR was the dullest race. But Sonoma, it's always a dull. I don't know why. It's a great road course in California with ups and downs and hills. And the cars, in, in a, they're great to watch. They're leaping over all the curbs and bouncing and things, but it never gets a good race. It always seems to be a bit processional. And it was yet again very processional, um, especially after car number five um, had, had a real problem. <laughs> well, he was, well, again, this is weird strategy that happens because he stayed out to win the first stage, his three-stage race, because you get extra points for the playoffs. 
Whereas everybody that wasn't winning, that wants to win the race, pitted before the end of the stage. So when the winner of the stage, Larson, came out, he was 20th on the grid for the restart because all the other 19 had pitted before he'd won it. Um, but he was coming back to the pack, got up to about ninth, and he had a pit stop and a wheel wasn't attached properly, so he disappeared. Anyway, doesn't matter. Nothing goes away from the pure joy at the end when Daniel Suarez, this wonderful Mexican, I was going to say kid, he's 30 uh, now, uh, the first Mexican to win a NASCAR championship. He was the 2016 Xfinity champion. Um, but since then, in what, how many years is that? Four, five, six, seven years. He's had about 175 um, NASCAR Cup races. And finally, held off good job. He was really good. He was on it to the end. And there weren't many full course yellows. So he ran fast right to the finish and took a win in his Chevy. And he's, he's, he's another track out Chevy. He's a teammate of the, of the, of the uh, Mellon man, chap Ross Chastain. And it's this team track house. They bought, I think it was the Chip Ganassi team. And so it's a new team that's now won three races this year, two for um, the teammate and now one for Daniel Suarez. <laughs> it was still boring. <laughs> Yes, I know. It was a boring race. I'm trying to put aside the fact that it was a very dull race. But uh, but the joy of Daniel Suarez winning and everybody in the pit lane delighted for him. And uh, on the slowing down lap, all the other competitors were bumping into him, which is a traditional way to <laughs> congratulate. So, is that what happens? Oh, yeah. You get a bit of a push up the back and a slap <laughs> on the other side, you know, and all your mates are waving at you. And um, Brilliant. <laughs> so everyone was delighted. Daniel Suarez. So it's, it's Mexicans are in the in, on the move now. We got a Mexican in IndyCar, don't we have? Um, Perez, pa Perez doing well in Formula Pato, One. Or, Pato, um... Oh, Pato, of course we have. Yeah, so Mexicans are on their way. Award in IndyCar. Yeah. Um, Suarez in NASCAR and uh, Perez in Perez. Formula One. Yeah, good. Mexicans bet, are I, on the move. I bet um, Carlos Slim's behind all three of those. <laughs> <laughs> right, next week. I'm, this is pretty good. You've got from Azerbaijan all the way over to Canada next week for Formula One. Know, something they're addressing next year, aren't they? They're trying to put people more in one place at one time. I like, Canada uh, are usually a great like race. Canada, Canada's yeah. a good, yeah, good race. You Except know, if they start doing that braking trick, <laughs> and I'll get my track limits hat on big time. Watch if this happens right in Canada. Because you know Canada at the end of the big long straight has got a right, the famous right left with the champion's wall on the way out. And so the trick with this business, that if you're leading and you go off limits, you just have to give up any advantage. So the trick is you, you go down the right-hand side of the long straight, defending, so the guy with the DRS comes along to your left. You then, as the leader, break impossibly late, go straight to the chicane, come back out in front of the pits while the bloke that couldn't overtake you then comes round, then back off. And, and then you're back. We, we gain no advantage, they say. Okay, so we you have. You've, let's you've, see if this still happens leaving. this weekend. Let's see if you called it. You go this back weekend. through old Canadian Grand Prix. It was a common, unless they made a curb to make it a harsher penalty, but if you do straight line. Don't but that was the trick. They're not going to have sausage curbs because they injure people. Well, I know they launch. I know. What do you Motor do? Motor GP is in Germany. Um, Round the amazing Saskatchewan ring. I'm sorry, excuse Have you Have you raised that no, it's a sort of bike track only. Oh, bike I, think. Seven, okay. I think they have small junior single-seaters go there. It's a left, it's the most amazing, scary, plungy, downhilly, short, left-hand, um, anti-clockwise shape of track, uh, which always produces amazing racing. So that, that should be a real cracker. Speaking of um, um, cracker, British Superbikes at Knock Hill. Oh, 
They're brave. No, no. Oof, there. They're brave. Don't face that. Duffers, Duffers dip the first corner Woo. on a bike. If you want uh, to watch real racing, then you don't have to go to Scotland because you just have to go to Silverstone. I know. Proper Caterham racing. I'm excited about this weekend. How many races so. do you get? Because the, 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 the academy still got the two huge grids going to join together, at it, like you did last year, the chaos race. Yeah, that was a chaos race. Um, but but yours is out of again. Another no, one. No, got... yes, no, no swearing. <laughs> mate, don't, not swear. uh, how many races do you get? So we get we race on the Saturday and Sunday, but we're the um, sacrificial lambs. This they they change the the um, timetable every single meeting, and we're we're the early birds. So I think we're on qualifying's like nine a.m. Um, but the weather in the UK is supposed to be fantastic this weekend. No, no rain, uh, beautiful sunshine. So I'm very excited about uh, Silverstone this weekend. Um, and you know what was good for me? Because you were on the pace at Silverstone last year. You were on I the was. pace before you started talking to people. You could have been on the podium and then you so lost your concentration. So it's a good track like. for you. So now that uh, Caton Racing is over two uh, Saturday and Sunday for me, now that I'm out of the academy, I like the fact that you that you stay around and you watch lots of the other races because it's brilliant. Yeah, it is yeah. brilliant racing. And have you got uh, some testing before? Do you have any track time? Yeah, I'm actually, you haven't driven the, the road sport car now. You haven't got any, you haven't driven the road no, sport car around that. I'm taking track. this modestly seriously for once because it's going to be filmed for TV. So I've got to do well. I hope no one knocks me out this this race. I'm so worried about that. But I'm so I'm practicing on. Thursday and Friday, so I should get plenty of practice and plenty of laps in. I hope no one takes me. I've been, I was taken out at uh, Brands Hatch and at um, where was I last time? Sneston. So I hope no one takes me out because this is for TV. Stay, keep your distance. If anyone's watching, listening, keep your distance just for this one race, please. I did a Formula Ford race for Top Gear Motorsports, having not been in Formula for twenty years. I went back to race the children, and uh, I did two days testing like you because I thought, oh, I've got to get me to the pace. I got round Druid's corner on the first lap. I got taken out. End of TV. We talk about that offline about um, what we do if that happens on a story because we haven't got a story if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> we got made this TV show. There's no NASCAR next week. Oh my goodness! After 17 weeks on the trot, there's no NASCAR. Thank you. There's 17 show. races on the trot. They get a we weekend can, off. We can focus on case from racing instead. If you um, <laughs> if you want to come and watch it, if you do come to Silverstone, make sure you, he's not going to be there now. He just welched on me. I can't believe you let me down. <laughs> Something about Father's Day and children. I had a hectic uh, month of May. Father's Day, oh. children, all that sort of you stuff. You didn't but... send me an email reminding me. I'm just not in diary. But as always, thanks for joining. Get amongst it in the comments below and uh, tell your friends. Help us get a few more followers and uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>